Welcome everyone to the Dads Unplugged podcast, episode number 20. I am Sean Pace, your co-host. Good morning, Nelson. How are you doing today? Sean, what's up? Good to see you, buddy. Uh, I'm Nelson, co-host of the Dads Unplugged podcast. Excited, genuinely, genuinely excited to have a good friend of mine, Ryan Warren, uh, as a guest of ours, and, and just a, a little snapshot of, of such an amazing person. Ryan is a father to a, a, an amazing four-year-old little girl, husband. Um, as a career, it's, it's almost an understatement to say that he's a relationship coach because he does so much more, but he specializes in helping people connect with themselves and with other people, which we'll dive a little bit into that, especially interested in seeing his, his parenting style when it comes to that. But Ryan, I mean, you know, give us a one or two minutes of kind of your past two or three years of your career, being a dad, just a family dynamic, and then we'll get off to some, some pretty good questions for you. Yeah, thanks. Uh, yeah, thank you all for having me on. I'll pick up where you where you just said, Nelson. Uh, a lot of it is coaching, specifically the past you know three years is where it's really started to take hold. And um, 2020 looked very, very different for me um, as it did for for most people. My wife went on unemployment and I went from coaching uh, um, a pretty healthy number of people and couples um, to that growing exponentially with you had a lot more men at home than they ever had been. Um, and they're wanting to connect with their wives, wanting to connect with their kids, wanting to you know learn more about themselves, and that was a very challenging time for them. So in 2020, um, as far as coaching professionally grew, grew quite a bit. Um, and yeah, you you mentioned my favorite my favorite word in the English language is relationships. Every time I hear it, um, it doesn't really matter where I'm at or who's talking. Once that word gets said, um, it's it's like uh, it's like the spidey sense starts tingling. Um, and it's, it's, it's game on. So nothing can get my attention quicker. And, um, a little bit of the background on that in my early twenties, I lost 95% of what was most important to me, which was my relationships. I, um, I was very sick and went through, uh, went through a divorce, um, and lost my job. Reputation had dropped out of school. Um, no money. Um, I had a lot of friends that didn't want to talk to me anymore. I had family members that were scared to talk to me because they didn't know what was going on. It was like my life completely looked different overnight um, once all once everything went public. And I lost 95 percent of what was most important to me, which was relationships. Um, I had a uh, life changing experience in 2013 and I'm living out my second chance. And um, I wanted to make sure that that never happened again. So I pretty much determined that year that I was going to do everything I could to find ways to build and protect my own relationships and took it from job to job. Um, over the next 10 years, and it's formed into uh, having a, a coaching practice and helping people um, learn their own personal strategies for building and protecting connection because um, everybody has somebody that they want to connect with and everybody has somebody that wants to connect with them. Um, and I think everybody deserves to have their own way that, that works for them, not some uh, slapstick, you know, this is what I did, this is what you should do. Um, so finding, finding new ways for everybody to be able to do that is really important. Wow. I like how you put it with relationships, making those connections and, and then to protect them. It's a part of a conversation we had before we started as well about what's happened with 2020 with connections and how, when you view <clears throat> relationships, excuse me, that in that way, how does that affect your own relationship with, um, with your family directly uh, as you've grown and had this second chance? Yeah. Good question. So like where, where that came from is I realized that there were these, there were these moments that seemed really small. And then there were other like season 
type. And anytime anybody says like, I'm in a season of life, I always ask them like, well, how long has it been going on? Cause a season is like three or four months, right? Three or four months. But if somebody's like, I'm in this season of life and, and they say it's been going on for six years, I'm like, that's not a season. Like that's more of a lifestyle thing that you have going on. It's not a season anymore. Like I'm just in a season of financial irresponsibility, but it's been eight years of doing it. It's like <laughs> not a season. So what I started noticing in my own life was that there were these moments and seasons where it felt like I had the freedom to like build the relationship. And so it was get to know you type stuff. And um, for family wise vacation or a, a, a birthday planning, birthday party, holidays that it's like relationship building and what i started noticing is there were also times in my life where there were these situations or circumstances these temporary challenges that were threats to that relationship and so it's like i'm not in build mode anymore i'm in protect mode because there's this external influence that's trying to <laughs> come after this connection and the opposite of connection it's real simple it's disconnection i feel disconnected from what's going on and so i just started noticing that there's these times where I'm building and times where I'm protecting. So the way that's played out, you know, to your question is that there, I just, I've, I've, I've been very determined to try to identify which, which is happening because I would try to build relationship with someone, but we were having a challenge and what really needed to happen was we needed to protect our connection, not build it. And there are other times where it's like, you can go problem hunting and like trying to find stuff that's going on with the relationship. And the reason that that can be frustrating is because you're trying to protect something that needs to be built. Um, mm -hmm. So I really just kind of tried to get it as simple as possible so that I could identify what's going on. So an example would be right now talking with y'all. For me, this is relationship building. We're in a building type conversation. Um, whereas if it was a specific issue all three of us were experiencing, we might be in a little more protecting type mode. Mm. Now, typically when you're <clears throat> when you're working with clients, and me and you have talked about this so much, you use a foundational principle to kind of build off of to even get to that point. Do you want to just talk about that a little bit just to give clarity on on how you work with a client and, and how you use that inside your home with, with your wife and, and things like that? Sure. So yeah, and uh yeah, thanks, Nelson. And Sean's so like whenever I was whenever I realized that there was kind of this second chance of relationships, but also professional and personal and, and discovering more of who I was, because I had kind of reached that point in my early twenties where it was, where it was basically a whole life of people pleasing and, and trying to avoid conflict and trying to give, 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 give to other people and not talk about what I wanted to talk about, which is even something that has still something that I'm going through. Um, but I, I wanted to be as responsible as I could because I didn't want that to ever happen again. And the tool, the tool that I discovered that I'm still using and founded a lot of the coaching practice on is the Enneagram. It's a, uh, it's a motivation assessment. And um, I, I immediately was drawn to it in how it differed from other personality type stuff where, you know, I'm not pessimistic towards Myers-Briggs or disc or, you know, strengths finders, things like that, that'll help you understand how the world sees you. But the Enneagram was so appealing to me because it helped me understand how I see how I saw the world and how I saw connection and communication and desire and motivation and all these things that I was drawn to. And so I went I went all in and I, I spent the better part of about six, seven years of learning everything that I could about Enneagram and sought out some people who were 
qualified and <laughs> you know and <laughs> certified um, within within the Enneagram community and tried to get as scholarly as I could. Um, and so I, it started. It worked. It worked for me. It really did. And it it provided this framework that I could be responsible with my second chance. Mm-hmm. Um, and so having that tool that I could kind of rely on and blame sometimes, you know, you know, whenever I was like going through something, I'm like, well, it's this tool now. So it's like one day the tool was great. And the other day it was like the enemy. And I had like, I, I honestly had to learn because I had these really honest, sometimes uncomfortable conversations with this tool that I felt like I was given to protect my second chance. And so the Enneagram has become Enneagram, the foundation and the structure and this really healthy, um, I kind of think of it like a, like trapeze artists, you know, it's like there's a lot of risk involved. There's some technique. There's some trust. The Enneagram for me is that net underneath. You know what I mean? Where that is that is kind of this safe place where where the person and I can both agree that no matter what we try to do based on what you're wanting to do, that's going to be a really healthy place to catch both of us. Me coaching and learning and you growing and you discovering and how much of an intense process that can be. Because I did it over the course of 10 years but I have several clients that they're wanting to do it in the course of a month. And, you know, the reality is, is yeah, the reality is, as Nelson can attest to, you can get a lot done in a month if you're willing to put in the time. Um, so a lot of the agreement with clients is, yeah, there's a financial aspect of it, but it's also the understanding that you're going to take 24 hours over the next month to invest in yourself. Um, so the Enneagram has been the structure that I've used to, to, to see to it that I'm as responsible as possible. That, that was something I didn't know even existed until my girlfriend and I, we went on our second date last, last summer and we're driving and she's like, um, she asked me if I'd heard of it and I was like, no. And, and she's uh, going to be getting her, she's starting her master's program in, in counseling. It was specialization in trauma therapy this starting this fall. And, and she'd asked me and I was like, no. And she goes, well, I, you know, I believe you're, you're a two wing three or three wing. And I'm like, I have no idea what these, I'm like, I'm like, well, I think you're a five. And she's like, you have no idea what I'm talking about. I'm like, I I don't. So then I had to dive in to understand it. And for me, at least it, it was, was eye opening to learn, like you said, something else about myself um, and, and learn the, the plus and minuses with my personality um, and has helped me, especially with my relationship with not just her, um, but with my, with my kids. And so my question for you is when you've learned this and you've tried to teach your clients, how does that go back to influencing you as a father um, and as a partner now that you have this additional tool to use? More tools usually makes us better dads, hopefully. How, how does that help you out? Well, you, I, I will say the first part, you know, because uh, <laughs> being as honest about it as possible, you can imagine what it's like to be married to the relationship guy. <laughs> it's like dating the it's like dating a therapist i'm well, gonna, I'm, and, gonna and, I'm gonna start and, a support group for partners yeah and, and, I, and, therapists. I, yeah, and I want to be very i want to be very upfront about that you know there are times where tiffany just has to look at me and she's like nope 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 we're not <laughs> we're not like you're not doing that like i just want um but that what's challenging and it, we her and i we even had a very um you know state of the union type conversation yesterday in the kitchen where She's like, Ryan, she's like, I, I can't go all the way like to the, the, the depth of talking about everything. She's like, if I ask you if you're okay, I just need you to say like, yes, or give me like one or two things, but not, 
And, you know, we understand that about each other where it's, that's just, that's, that's just what you're going to get. And I, sometimes I need you to help remind me. So the way it helps out in our marriage specifically, Tiffany had mistyped on the Enneagram for the first, um, for the first four years of our marriage, she mistyped as a two. And it wasn't until we took a trip to New York in 2019. And I finally looked at her and I was like, this is not, this is like, this is not the connection that we're wanting because I was trying to connect with her with what motivates her based on other Mm -hmm. conversations, but also within the Enneagram because you're not manipulating connection, you're manufacturing it. So I'm trying to do things to manufacture that connection. And she had mistyped. So I was like, before we get on this plane, like take it again. (laughs) And so she was like, fine. She's like, so she took it and she came out and she's actually a three, which is, Mm. and I was like, so all these times of me calling you while you're at work and texting you and, and sending you stuff, they're just interruptions to your progress for achievement. It's not connection. They're I've been interrupting you. And so I had this moment where I was like, our entire marriage, I've been interrupting you. And, and she's like, it's not that serious. And I'm like, yeah, but it is. So, to answer your question, how it plays out in our home is I just feel like it gives me an advantage that a lot of men don't have. Mm. Because once I understand what actually motivates a person, it exponentially increases my opportunity to connect with them, which is what I want. And so, you know, Sloan's four. I don't really recommend anybody taking an Enneagram assessment until like 16 or older, because like a 14 year old, you can say like, do you want to drive? And they're like, I don't know. But that's like one of the big life motivations that kind of occurs in our society is like, I want a car so I can go out. And so once motivation starts coming, so in our family with Tiffany, once I know what motivates her, it's helped our marriage a lot, even in really challenging times. Again, it's that net mm-hmm. where even if there's a lot of risk, there's a lot of stuff on the line. Even this past year, it's been the most change we've experienced in our relationship since we've been together. Mm-hmm. And if I didn't have it, if I didn't have it, I... I, I don't feel like I would, I don't feel like I'd stand a shot if I didn't have it. Wow. You know, it's, it's interesting that you mentioned manufacturing connection. It's, it's, it allows you to kind of just speak the same language or at least understand the other person's language. Um, if you understand what, and, and just for listeners that haven't done anything with the Enneagram, you know, there's, there's different personality types, which is why you take an assessment to identify with them. But there's a lot of work that does go into really understanding how something like that works. So, and the, and the reason in the beginning, I mentioned that you're a relationship coach. It's what I've gotten in the past couple of two months, two and a half months that we've known each other is the intentional focus you have on me getting to know myself is so much more important because no one does that. I mean, we've talked about this so many times as a dad, as a, as a, as a human being, we go through our entire lives, going to school. Some people go to college. Some people join the military in, in that 22 year, 24 year period, whoever really takes time and energy to focus on you as an individual to cultivate what you like, what motivates you, like really discovering who you are, you know, I'm, I'm 36. No one, my parents, friends, no one ever sits down with you and says, Hey, who are you? Like, what are you made of? What are you, what are you looking for in this life? No one. And you're the first person that honestly, I mean, you do that for a living, but it's not even like you're doing it as a career. It's just 
who you i mean it's what took you out of a dark place so it's become a, a big part of you so um again when you say that I, I hope listeners that are kind of in that point in time where they're like i don't know i don't know who i am and i'm in my 30s 40s i'm a parent i have no idea what motivates me i think that's that's a great place to start asking questions um and there is an answer. And again, you've you've really brought that to light. So so when it comes to, I just want to ask because I know I've I've seen you do a couple of things with Sloan. You sing some songs with her that you've created. Yeah. <laughs> can is that something we can talk about? Is that sure. on the table? Sure. What like what 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 are some of those songs? You don't have to sing them, but like what was the point of you creating songs with her and and what was the intention behind that? Yeah. So uh, yes, too far into like the the father story and like grow. But I I grew up and uh, there was there was a uh, not a season a a stage of my life where you know the most consistent male figure I had was Fred Rogers uh, from uh, Mister Rogers. I'm a Mister Rogers kid, and um, that um, <laughs> like that was um, that was a consistent, um, uh, yeah, I really learned that you, you, you could, um, that you could count, you could count on somebody showing up. Um, and I had that a great connection with my mom always have. Um, but there was a stage of life where for me, that was, that was this, that was this somebody that I, that I could trust. And there was never, there was never one time as a kid that I, um, that I ever doubted one thing that he said, um, and, and still to this day, I mean, he's no longer with us. Um, but I, I count him, I count him as a close friend. I really do. And he's had a big impact on, um, on, on, uh, you know, not just some of these things that are really, really important to me about how to make decisions, but just how to, how to, how to, how to really, how to really, really live and how to, and how to really, really take the time to, um, to take something, even if it's uncomfortable and make sure that you give it the correct amount of time. And, um, so one of the things that came from that was, you know, that's one of the things that he did was through song. And, um, there were some that I, you know, that I still remember. And, um, I, I had just kind of thought, I, I wonder what it would be like to not be Fred Rogers for my daughter, but that gift that he gave me, I wonder if there's a way that I could give, that gift to Sloan in a way that was special for her and I. Mm -hmm. um, and so it, whenever she turned two, it, it kind of started presenting these moments where I would have this thought about how I felt whenever I learned something from him and still do. I mean, I've got his books and they're, you know, they're still, they're still just a, it's been a really cool way to heal and stuff to kind of stay connected to how big of an impact that was. But there were, there were some moments that started coming up where I was like, this is it. Like, this is, this was the thing that I was looking forward to. This is the way that her and I can have the same gift type connection that I did with, with someone who was very consistent and still is like, um, so that's, that's, that's really where it started. So we've, we've created our own songs and she started to do it now too. Like she'll just kind of start singing and making something up. And that's a, that's a really, really special time. But that's, that's where, that's where the motivation for that started was I had that as a gift from someone and I, I wanted to, to find a way to, to have the same gift, but not, not emulate and recreate the same relationship. Wow. I, I thank you for being honest and open and, and sharing that with, 
with us, with everyone um, listening, it, I, I resonate with it for me, if I, if I heard you correctly at the, at the base of it is the consistency to, to be present. And I feel at times before COVID, while we may have been there in the lives of our kids and, and of our partners and it, it's COVID kind of indirectly, if there's a couple of positive things that we have to look to come out of COVID is it forced many of us to then realize being there isn't enough. Being present is more important. And I, I appreciate you very much, um, Ryan, for, for sharing that today with all of us. I'm, I'm speechless to be honest. I mean, I'm just um, to, to hear that story um, how, how do you want, here's a question that we ask every guest and, and I may be asking this a little early because I think it fits in perfect right mm-hmm. here is what do you want your legacy to be as it, as it seems, even if intentionally or not, you're, you're setting that stage up. What, mm-hmm. what do you want it to be for you? I've, I've shared this with Nelson. I really only have I really only have two active goals in life right now. One's more within the calendar year <laughs> and I'm, I'm sprinting and working out and, and doing everything that I can to see that that can happen um, in a way that I don't think I've ever pursued before. So that, that one I, I actually feel is, is a, is, is a reality. I only have one other moment. It's that whenever Sloan is 22, 23 and, and she's gone and, wherever, whatever she wants to study, whatever she wants to do up to that point. But like, Sean, I would love for there to be this moment where, where Sloan comes to me and says like, dad, nobody, nobody knows relationships like you do. Mm. Nobody, nobody loves people like you do. Like in my life, you, you, you've helped me understand what it means to, to be a person and, you know, to connect with other people and for her to look at me and say, how about you retire? And I'll, what would it look like for me to take over Redbirds and for me to do what you've done and, and just learn from you in a way, but, but you, <laughs> you know, do your, your Viggo Mortensen ride off into the sunset and, and I'll, and I'll take over. But the moment there, the legacy would be that, that, that the people, I, I, I don't want anyone important to me to ever doubt the way I feel about them. I don't, I don't want there to be any, I don't want there to be any room for doubt and for, you know, for Sloan, for Tiffany, for them to, to have this place where they could honestly and truthfully say, you know, nobody, nobody knows relationships like you do. That would be it. Mm. And if, if, if when I died, whoever it was that, that said anything, if they just said, here's somebody who experience his favorite thing in life on a daily basis, which was relationships. If that's all it was, then I'm, I'm good. You know, there's, it's like, um, when you, when you share things like that, like a level of fearlessness that just resonates in your voice, like you're, you know, you have such a, and I, I've experienced you in conversation daily. So I know it's not, you know, some people set these goals and these legacies and, oh, I want I want to leave a fortune behind for my kid. I want my kid to be financially set. I want 
I want all these things, but then their actions don't correlate with what they want to leave behind. You know, if anyone spends time really talking to you, again, we have we have 30 minutes, but if somebody spends time getting to know you and talking to you, they'll realize like it's not it's not something you're saying, it's something you're actually pursuing every like every time we talk, there's always something that's gonna lead closer to that that's such a powerful place to be. And again, for, for parents listening, you know, and dads, it's, I kind of go back to the same thing, like your ability to help someone discover who they are is what I think will lead more people to that same place where they're, there's such a conviction that they know they can reach certain things Hmm. because they know what they're capable of doing. And you've done that with, again, with myself, I know you've been coaching my wife, Jonas for, for past few weeks. Um, and, and there's a level of confidence in our own household because of what you've been able to do with us, helping us understand our strengths, our weaknesses, mm. our motivating factors, our, you know, our reference of time, which me and you talk about all the time. Sean, just just so you're aware, you know, I I, I have horrible memory, but that's how I'm built. And I just got to figure out better ways to to be present just like you guys mentioned before. So as things are happening, I'm constantly thinking about things in the future. And by the time I, you know, look back and reflect, I, I kind of just don't remember things because I'm not present that much that often. Um, and that's an activity that me and, you know, Ryan asked me, he's like, well, if you're not present in your relationship, how do you think your wife feels? Mm-hmm. And I was just blown away by just one simple question. I was like, oh crap. You know, if my wife's talking to me and I'm thinking about something else, how does that make her feel? And she's aware of that. You know, when we had this conversation a few weeks ago, she was fully aware. She was like, yeah, you're always trying to be two steps ahead. And I was like, that's a crappy place to be if you're in a relationship with someone who's never present. And that was all rooted in one question that typically because Ryan, again, this is what he does for a living. He knew where to poke and mm-hmm. kind of where to pull me into. So now like there's there's certain things he's, requested for me to do to help me be more present be more engaged in in the current moment so those those small little steps is is kind of why um why when i you know when i wanted to have you on it was to make sure like people understand like the more you know yourself the more you're capable of of being a better person of being a stronger you um you know, and, and Ryan, if you can, you you you're one of your famous quotes, at least when we talk, is uh, two powerful people choosing each other. Each other. Can you can you clarify that statement? Yeah, and just kind of where where that where that reality came from for me. Mm-hmm. Please. Yeah, you know, so I when it comes to like father, and uh, I think one of the things we had talked about was what like drives you as a father. My 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 father model example was incredibly shaky up until about fourth grade. My biological father was physically abusive and verbally abusive to my mother. And, um, we, we, I remember I was about four years old and we left whenever she was pregnant with my younger brother, we came home one night, like the true story. My, my mom and I were coming home from my aunt's house and there was a house on fire. We kind of lived out in the country a little bit. I remember my mom like pulls the car. There's a dog tied to a tree in front of the house. The people weren't home yet. And my mom like parks the car, says, you sit here, be brave. She goes out like rescues. It's really dramatic, like for anybody. But as a four-year-old, I'm sitting here watching. I'm just like, what is happening? 
and she goes like you know unchains the dog and like you know brings the dog back to the car and then we're like drive to the neighbors get the phone and stuff so the firefighters are coming mom's like directing traffic and stuff and i'm just like what has happened we get in the car like we she gets back in the car and we have the people's dog with us i thought we got a dog out of it i was i was i was good and then she kind of like puts the icing on it and she looks at me and she was like ryan she was like she looks in the back seat and she was like you were so brave she was like let's go get ice cream and i was like i i even sat there and i was like this is what bravery looks like you, you just kind of sit here and these awesome people in your life do amazing things and you just watch and that's brave. So I, I didn't. And I remember we went and got ice cream, uh, went home and we walked in and I remember, and I, I, I remember it clearly. Like he, he was furious that she hadn't made dinner by the time that he'd gotten home. Mm-hmm. And that night I remember he, he pushed me up against the wall, slammed my mom while she was pregnant with my brother up against the couch, took my ice cream cone, threw it up against the wall and stormed out. And I, we left, we left that night and went to people's house there in town and that was it. Um, and there's been some interaction since then. There's been some reconnection stuff, not great. It's a, it's a massive part of just this whole vibe and stuff. That's just still currently going on. My mom remarried after that. And, um, uh, it was, you know, somebody she had met and stuff and kind of a cool connection. And then they're married for a little bit, but he was sexually abusive and would pick me up from school or before and it would be, yeah, just not, not a great, I'll just leave it at that. And so he, and then he passed away two days before my birthday in second grade. So up to that point, I had had one father who really didn't want anything to do with us and verbally, physically abusive and very traumatic and just somebody that I was afraid of. I really was, I was scared and afraid of him. And anytime he got brought up in conversation and then I had another father figure who was sexually abusive and very just very awkward and stern and up to that point I had one that didn't want anything to do with us and another one who got taken from me and I didn't get asked what I thought about that and so like I've told Nelson at an early age I realized there was a lot of stuff in life that I had no control over like none Mm. no ability to choose no no power so whenever it came to father fatherlessness like I equated fatherlessness to I I had no, I had no strength, no power in, at all when it came to that. The saving part of that was, you know, being, you know, being a church kid and stuff. There were pastors who stepped in and deacons and stuff. And I had, I had the best uncles on the planet. So they were kind of, they kind of filled up to that. In fourth grade, my mom went to Purdue University for something for work. She came home and she showed me a picture and she was like, and this, this is Gary right here. And I was like, don't care. Don't like don't care. Yeah. And over the next like few weeks, there'd be cards that would come in the mail from Gary Warren addressed to her. I would get home from school before mom got home from work, take the letters and hide them either behind the encyclopedias or up in my clubhouse, like my tree house or something. Like I would just take the letters. She comes in, you know, about a month later, it's like, Hey, Gary's coming here and wants to meet y'all. And I'm like, I, I just died. You know, like I've got all of this evidence. I'd watched plenty of a team up to that point. So I take <laughs> care of the evidence get a team involved. So I like had <laughs> friends from school. Like I remember John Dobbs helped me like how to do the letters and hide them. And so, so I think he took some to his house and it was a big, so he comes and Gary takes me and my mom and my brother out to eat. And he, we're sitting at the table and he looks at my mom and it's like, Rosa, how come you never responded in my letters? And that's when I had this out of body. It's like my spirit just floated <laughs> out. I was like, good luck, man. And just like, I, <laughs> so I, I did what anybody would do. I just got up, ran to the restroom. And again, on the A team thing, I was going to try to escape, evade the situation. And 
you know, rendezvous, either try to call my aunt to pick me up or something. And so I'm in the bathroom at this Mexican food restaurant in Mineral Wells, Texas, up in the stall. I had locked it. I'm the only one in there. There's a little like crank window up in the stall. I'm going to try to, you know, it's a great plan at the time. And so I'm like, I got my hands on the stall and Gary like walks in and he said, Ryan, are you in here? And I was like, nope. You know, and I'm the only one in there. So he's like, okay. So he comes over to the stall. <laughs> I still don't know how he did it. Unlatched the door. And he's like, I need, he's like, I, he's like, I want to, he's like, I want to talk to you. I was like, I was like, here it is. Up to that point, I had only mm. had two examples of what it's like for someone who is wanting to deliver information mm. to me. Mm. And so I didn't know what was going to happen. It was just me and him in there. I had no place to go. I hadn't, I couldn't there. I was, I literally felt trapped. And he got down on a knee and he looked at me and he said, Ryan, he said, I'm not trying to replace anybody in your life. He was like, I just want you to give me a chance. He's like, I love your mom. I love you. I love your brother. And, um, you know, as a fourth grader, my, I produced more snot than any human being in human history. And it was this hug that communicated, you know, at that time, like, like Sean, I can't, we can look at it and like single mom, two boys, three States away trauma, frustration, mm -hmm. heartache, brokenness, misunderstanding. It's all these things that are piling up. And, and for at that time, I don't think there's a time in my life where I felt um, less choosable, <laughs> right? Like I, I really did at that point in my life feel like an unchoosable kid. Mm -hmm. And to have someone who chose me whenever I was unchoosable, it changed everything. So he, you know, he, he married my mom and adopted my brother and I, and that's, I mean, my last name, that's, yeah. that's him. And this is incredible inheritance and legacy and stuff that I inherited. I didn't fight for it. I didn't do anything for it. But because somebody chose me, it completely changed my life. And so it became this thing where I'm like, from then on, my life was so different. And yes, there are still things to work through. There's always going to be that. But the idea that you can choose someone when they're unchoosable, it's so empowering. Because if I only choose Tiffany, or if I only choose Sloan when they're choosable, they're yeah. actually in control of my ability to choose, not me. Mm. And so the real, like from being a husband as a father, it's those moments whenever they're not entirely choosable. That's whenever I really need to communicate that out of anybody on the planet, I only want to be married to you and I only want to be your dad. And that, that's, that's that driving. That's how that, that, that idea of choosing people really came, really came by. Cause when somebody chooses you, you kind of go on autopilot. I moved, my junior year of high school, first day in the cafeteria, I had no clue where to sit. And so I'm standing there with my lunch. I'm 17. And I'm like, I could sit with the golf kids, but my parents are going to freak out. You know what I mean? Like I could, and they're quiet. I like that, you know? And I was like, I could sit with the cheerleaders. You know, there's one that like first day was like, do you sit with us? And I was like, but they don't, they don't talk about, I can't, I no, I'm, I can't do it. And like in the back corner, there's like three guys don't play sports. Don't do anything. They like raise their hand and they're like, hey, they're like, new guy, come sit with us. And it's like my brain just shut off. And I just like mm -hmm. walk straight there. It's like, it's very easy for us to choose people that choose us. And if we can find ways to communicate that more in our marriage and our parenting, I think it'll go a long way. So choice, it's a big, it's a big deal. Wow. Ryan, I'm I'm so honored generally um that you've shared your story and it's such a beautiful story of where you've now come to help people and your purpose in life. And, um, that's, yeah, I know we're running out of time. I just wanted to ask a couple more questions. There'll be very brief. Uh, this one can be a yes or no. Have you written a book? No. 
you need to. <clears throat> so that's settled. Um, I will be your public. No, I won't be your publicist. We'll find somebody else to do that job, but you need, <laughs> you need to. And I believe you being able to share in more than just this podcast and, and in a platform, like a book of your story of what you're doing and how you can help people will exponentially change someone else's life. <clears throat> so my opinion, please write a book on a lighter note. Do you have a dad joke? Dad joke. <laughs> um, trying to because I could talk to you for like two hours, and I know well, we don't most have of my, yeah most of most of my dad jokes I try to save for elevators because they work on every level. <laughs> Come on, uh, yeah, <laughs> I love it. it. Almost makes you cringe. Um, you're like, what, okay, what does? What does the baby computer call his father? What? Um, Data. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> this is going to get cut into a into the um, dad joke bonus. What? Episode. What? Uh, what do you? What do you call Batman whenever he skips church? I don't know. Christian Bale. <laughs> 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 and then the last one that comes to mind. Uh, what what is what is Forrest Gump's password for his computer? What <laughs> one Forrest one? <laughs> oh, <God. laughs> yep. Oh, awesome, awesome, awesome! It's like you kind of want to cringe, but you want to laugh, but you're unsure. Yeah, I mean, where does because I've I've That's listened to some of y'all's episodes and stuff. I mean, like, do y'all do y'all have any current current ones as well? Because, like I said, I'm always I'm always game for a good Joker story. <laughs> we, you know, typically no one asks us to share any dad jokes. No one ever asks. Um, but I, I'll give you I'll give you one, which which is Joshua's favorite joke. Okay, he's ten years old. I'm not sure if it's <clears throat> appropriate or not for his age, but. Um, how do you get a squirrel to come down from a tree? Nothing, Sean. No. no. How? <laughs> you put, you pull down your pants and show them your nuts. <laughs> Did he come up with that one? <laughs> uh, uh, I don't know. He has a couple. He has a couple of joke books. I'm not sure. I, I don't think that would be in a joke book for some reason. Uh, but for him, he's so ten. Either. So like anything about That's, genitals is funny to him. Funny. So that, yep. that cracks him up. Pretty no, funny. I don't. I don't have too many dads. Anytime I come up with a joke, my daughter tells me to please never share it again. Um, and she's 17, and and so then I'm just I say, uh, "That's dope," and she's like. Please don't ever say that again. Either. Yeah, it's just, <laughs> yeah, you keep going like you end up being like you know speechless. No, I keep like, I keep that. asking if if, she would, if she'll do like a dad daughter TikTok dance, oh. and um, she's only said yes once, and then she immediately an hour later said, "You know what? I changed my mind." No. Um, yeah, so we don't want her. We don't. We don't want her account to get shut down. So let's not do that. <laughs> let's not do that. I do. I do typically ask. I mean, as we wrap this thing up, man, I appreciate just. You know, you just taking the time out, sharing, you know, sharing some some things about yourself. And honestly, there's mm -hmm. like Sean said, there's there's dads, parents, there's kids out there that that hopefully will hear yeah. something 
and and definitely be inspired. Um, I do have a would you rather question, which me and you have have had some fun. Sean, this is his favorite segment of what we do. <laughs> no, it's <laughs> real <not>. awkward. <laughs> Would you rather questions? I, I have one that I typed in before, and then I have one. So we'll do two because there's a follow-up one that me and you had done in the past. Okay. The well, let me let me are... preface just by saying for anyone that hasn't recognized yet, listening to our episodes, I never have any heads up as to what these are. <laughs> so I am just as shocked and sometimes as appalled like everyone else that listens. So thank yeah. you, Nelson, for making my days interesting every time we talk. My my entire goal with the podcast is to ruin Sean's day. By the way, um, so so the 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 only rule is you know Ryan, you answer first, give a reason behind your pick, and then Sean can go after. So I'm going to start with with this one: is would you rather be trapped in a romantic comedy with your enemies or trapped in a horror movie with your friends? Oh, Ryan, stressed out. <laughs> His wife in his face. <laughs> would Would you rather be trapped in a romantic comedy with your enemies or trapped in a horror movie with your friends? Stuck on the word trapped. Um, I'm gonna I'm gonna pick the rom com. Now wait, before you give the reason, you can't turn these enemies into friends either. Like they are, there's no converting them to friendship. There's no connection happening. They can't take their Enneagram assessment while they're in the movie for you to connect. None of that. Uh, well, if that's the case, give me my friends. <laughs> without, yeah, without without knowing the plots, you know, if it's if it's gonna be if it's gonna be a pretty rough go of it, at least let me be with people that, yeah. Hor- yeah, I'll I'll take the horror movie with friends. Okay. Chased by Jason and Freddy Krueger. But as long as you're with some friends, that crazy, creepy girl from the ring comes out with her hair all over her face. As so long it's as like the, there, if it's a romantic fun. comedy, like, am I just like a supporting actor? Or is this, you know, am I surrounded by them? They are in every scene with you. These oh, people that no, just. No, I'd rather be with friends. Thank you. Sean, <laughs> what about you? <laughs> um, well, I, I, I don't like horror movies in general. Um, and because I would actually say if i was in the horror movie with my friends i'd probably be the one that dies first so i'll pass on on that um is the in the rom-com do i get a sing is it like a disney musical rom-com because if it is i'm down i'll do it no yeah oh yeah yeah oh no so that's a good take on it that's that i'll do and because It'd give me a reason to probably start singing again. It'll so. give you a reason. It'll give you a chance to tor- torture your enemies, basically. No. Well, I mean, I like your approach. Yeah, I you went from rom com to when you started singing, it turned into a horror movie. No, I, I initially went to college for music, so I can, did sing. Um, so I guess that'd be my forced way to have to start singing again if I'm in with my enemies in a rom com. Interesting. I need. We need a follow up episode. Because yeah. Ryan is quite the singer. Ryan, I like to sing. I like Ryan to sing. likes to sing. I honestly, I would probably go with, I'd probably go with the horror movie as well. Especially if Sean, you're the first one to die, then sure. <laughs> <laughs> That's you know, look if if you're if you're in a bad situation with some good friends, you know, and people wonder why I carry a hatchet and an axe in the jeep. 
I'm not going to be the one without a weapon. If you're in a horror movie with some friends, I'm pretty sure you're going to have a good time while the, you know, where you're being chased by some crazy, creepy monsters. Uh, you know, Ryan, I, I just I do want to have a follow up. Would you rather question? I typically only have one, but there is one that we've spoken about in the past. And I, I think it warrants an opportunity <laughs> to, to discuss this a little bit. Would you rather have nipples the size of fingers or fingers the size of nipples? Now, this we need some clarity on why you pick answers, because this one's important. If nipples the size of fingers. I mean, some really long National Geographic things coming out of you or or just just tiny little nubs on your hand, just little nipple sized fingers, you know, you know, like it was inappropriate the first time you asked me this, but now (laughs) it's rude. The fact that you're asking me it twice, but I'm going to I'm going to play. I'm going to play ball here and stick and double down with my answer that I would rather have shorter fingers. Here we go. Than I would. On both hands, you'd rather have these tiny little little yep. bumps. Yep. Doesn't sound like you're going to get a lot accomplished with these little nubs. Well, I guess that's why there's now voice texting. Interesting. Sean? Um, <laughs> I'm imagining my wearing a T-shirt. Um <laughs> <laughs> or not wearing a t-shirt hello <laughs> why why would you <laughs> so, so can are they movable like fingers like or are they just they're just a size they're just, they're just a size i just have to ask a clarifying question no nope. yep, yep um i would probably say fingers the size of nipples and i will definitely get my money's worth out of having an alexa in the house so really yeah. yeah i mean i can just picture going into a bar fight and just shoving one of those things in someone's eyeball well wow. <laughs> i'm thinking nipples the size of fingers are we back to the horror movie question <laughs> i think so <laughs> that's a horror right movie right there <laughs> can i be can i be one of the friends that waits outside in that scene <laughs> oh man Thank you for indulging in my question. Sean never knows these would you rather questions. <clears throat> oh, uh, you know, Ryan, as as I've gotten to know you and and my wife, you've become a household name. Like I've told you before, Joshua, when the phone rings, sometimes goes, is that Ryan? And I'm just like, that's pretty funny that you're all the way out in Texas. You've never stepped a foot in this house. And and my kid, the impact you're having on us, it's, it's reaching my 10 year old son. So. Really appreciate the the past 40, 40 minutes or so with us. Um, if people did want to find you, what is what are the two best places for that? Sure. Yeah. I mean, I I I, uh, I enjoy connecting with people on Instagram, and that's a pretty that's a pretty fun way to message back and forth and and uh, and share. And just recently, over about the past few weeks, I've gotten a place where I I I enjoy it. And I'm having fun with it. So that would be a really fun place to connect. Um, the Redbirds. Uh, website is another place, uh, redbirdsllc.com. And we've got some resources on there and uh, blog and some other connection type stuff. And uh, also, any I mean, it's all kinds of resources from stuff like connecting in long distance relationships to making moments matter. We've got relationship roots and stuff that have kind of developed that, that you can incorporate as easy as today. And I encourage people to try them, but don't try them alone. <laughs> Reach out and you can email me and say, hey, this is pretty interesting. How could I 
how could I give this one a shot, you know, as early as today um, and just kind of start to explore that. So uh, yeah, those are, those are probably the two uh, and email address and stuff is all on there as well. So yeah, reach, reaching out to me one-on-one is probably the best way to do it. That's where, that's the way I, pref- that's the way I would prefer it. Perfect. Um, Ryan, thank you again so much for today. We are very grateful for your time. Um, this has been for me a very purposeful episode and I really would like for you to consider writing that book. It honestly, I, I, I think it would help a lot of people, um, to be able to then relate to you, relate in their own experiences and help further their path, um, of life. So please think about it. And we would, um, as Nelson sometimes says, if, uh, something happens. So when you do write that book, we'd love to have you back on, on the podcast again and to talk about it some more, or if anything else happens in your life that you find interesting, please, uh, the, the door is always open. Well, that's awesome. Yeah. I'm rooting for you. You know, fathers, fathers have an opportunity that, um, that's very, that's very special and very significant. So rooting for y'all. And, uh, yeah, this has been, this has been a blast. Dude. Thank you so much. Um, you know, uh, as we wrap this thing up, everyone who is still listening at this point and enjoying this, subscribe to the Dads Unplugged podcast. The YouTube is active and live, so feel free to subscribe on our YouTube. Um, on Instagram, you'll see all the dads that we've had thus far. So just go on our Instagram, Dads um dads unplugged podcast on instagram and and share with the dad and feel free to leave comments and suggestions honestly the point of of sean asking me to do this and and us doing this is to give value so if there's a topic of conversation a question um a direction you want us to have uh you know in in our podcast throughout the episode feel free to give suggestions that will help us out greatly and we appreciate and love all of everyone who listens and follows us Thank you again, everyone, for today. Thank you, Ryan. Please follow him. And everyone have a blessed and wonderful day.